Hey, are you here? Yep, it's the Paul Leslie Hour. Welcome to it. The one and only Kirk West, tour manager, also known as Tour Mystic for the legendary Allman Brothers Band, is featured in this episode. Kirk West is also a highly respected photographer. Mr. West is also the curator of the Big House Museum in Macon, Georgia, and that's where this interview was recorded, originally broadcast on the radio back in 2007. The Big House Museum was home port for the Allman Brothers Band in the early years. In addition to some of the band's members living there, songs were written there, rehearsals took place there, and the foundation was laid for one of the best, most influential, and unique bands in history, the Allman Brothers Band. Kirk West is instrumental, no pun intended, in preserving many Allman Brothers Band artifacts and pieces of history at the Big House Museum. We hope you enjoy this inside look into the history and magic that is the Allman Brothers Band. And take a look at Kirk West, a man who has taken his own road in life and lived it to the fullest. We've got a lot more interviews just like this coming, and you can follow along for free, like the Paul Leslie Hour on Facebook, and subscribe on YouTube. And with that, all I can say is, time to listen, folks. It's rare you get a chance to visit a place like the Big House. The Big House is a little piece of rock and roll history. This was the home base for the Allman Brothers, and we're sitting today with the one and only Kirk West. Hello, Kirk. Good morning. How you doing, Bob? Very good. Thank you for having me. You bet. So, first of all, let's find out a little bit about you. Where do you come from, and how did you get here? <laughs> it's been a long, strange trip. I was born and raised in Iowa and moved to Chicago in late 68. And uh, got my eyes pried open and my head cracked wide by the Paul Butterfield Blues Band. And when I was still in high school, and the first chance I got, I hightailed it to where they were. And spent several years in Chicago floated around America here and there, and settled back in Chicago in 77, then moved to Macon down here in uh, 93 when we bought the big house. My wife and I bought the big house on Vineville Avenue in the summer of 93 and moved down. You know, the you know the long and the short of it is I was, I was turned on by music, and, and I don't play anything, but by some fortune and good luck I was able to make a living inside the music business one way or another photography for a long time album cover work and tour photography and that sort of thing and met the band real early met the band as a fan in 1970 and over the course of throughout the 70s was really involved in the Allman Brothers scene just simply as a, as a passionate fan and Gradually got to know the guys. And then in, over the course of the 80s, my business as a photographer blossomed in Chicago, and I started doing a lot of photography work for the boys. And uh, in 89, when they got back together the second time, hired on as the tour manager, assistant tour manager. 
and it just kind of grew from there. You know, infected me. You know, kind of like some sort of. Well, no, no, it was a good thing. So, so when you think about the Almond Brothers in those days, what is something that most people don't know that you think about that maybe the public doesn't know? Well, you know, the I think the the biggest thing, and I'm not going to start telling stories out of school or anything, but the biggest thing I think that is important to keep in mind is that it's it's their regular guys. You know, they're guys that just like any of us that, that had a dream and, and worked hard to get it come true, but they're, they're just like all of us. They're filled with frailing, failings and insecurities and bad habits and good intentions and you know, it's it's a it's a it's a risky thing to get too close to your heroes, you know, because they'll invariably let you down, you know. And if you know somebody only through their art, be it music, which is the the thing we're talking about here, but through their writing or through their painting or whatever, you know, you you, you develop this image of somebody, you know, maybe an actor, and and you have these concepts that you lay on them. And then if you get the opportunity to test those concepts, you know, oftentimes they're way off base, way off mark, you know. So, you know, you get to know somebody through the songs that they write and sing, and you feel you have a connection to them, and you do, but you have a connection to their art, not necessarily to their person. And, and that's tough. You get inside there and you realize that, you know, this guy's just as cantankerous is the guy that lives next door that won't keep his dogs shut up at, you know, <laughs> 7 o'clock in the morning, you know, yeah. or the guy that won't fix your car right, repair your roof properly. You just don't develop those kinds of personal feeling relationships with the guy that's changing your spark plugs. And as the, cur- the curator, I guess you'd say, right, mm-hmm. of the big house? Yeah. Well, I'm the... I'm the keeper of the vault, that's for sure, you know. the My wife and I bought this house here in, in as you can see, this is a house. <laughs> yeah. People come and go in it. The, the big house here on Vineville in Macon was the house that the band lived in from early 70 to 73. And it was their home base. It was their, it was their, their uh, harbor, their safe spot. It's where all the big dinners took place, it's where the rehearsals took place, it's where a lot of the songs were written, and and it was the home, Barry and, and Dwayne and Greg, as well as the rest of them, although the rest of them had their own little apartments, this was the, this was the headquarters, this was the White House, and uh, when they, uh, when after Barry died in late 72, they moved out and they bought the farm out north of Macon here, and so in, in uh, 93, my wife and I moved down from Chicago, bought the house, and kind of opened it as a, with the intention of doing a bed and breakfast, kind of a museum bed and breakfast. But the uh, zoning ordinances in Macon prohibited any kind of real bed and breakfast operation. So we just had it as an informal museum, you know. Our, our, our philosophy was that you can take no for an answer. You can knock on that front door, and if we're not busy, we'll let you in and share it with you. You know, and with that in mind, we've had since 
September of 93, we've had over 17,000 people knock on that front door. And people from all over the world, people from all over the world, and people from all over the world have knocked on that door and we've let them in and, and it's been pretty cool, it's been pretty cool. And we've got a, a couple rooms designated as archive rooms. And about two years ago, we uh, were getting to the notion that maybe it was time for a few less knocks on the door and in our life. <laughs> and so I was looking for somebody to kind of take it over and, and share with the world what we've been doing. And I couldn't find the right combination of heart, intention, and a bank account. So one of the guys that had two of the three suggested to us that perhaps we start a, a not-for-profit foundation raising money that would be tax-exempt, tax-deductible, and, and, and create the Big House Foundation is what it ended up being. And we've, with the intention of the foundation, would own and, and manage the Big House Museum. And that's what we're involved in. We're turning this entire 6,000-square-foot, 106-year-old mansion into an Allman Brothers Museum. The entire first floor will be display rooms. Second floor will probably be research rooms where we'll have a document room housing all the contracts and all the legal things and, and magazine articles, the paper room. We'll have another room upstairs. It'll be all, it's, it's pretty freaky, but all the photographs. We've got over 40,000 photographs of the band since they're starting with baby pictures of all of them or wedding pictures of their parents. I mean, it's just, and so we'll have, access to all of that and we'll have instruments and clothing and posters and awards and it's, it's a full-blown museum and we've got the collection it's just that since my wife and I live here it's not all on display you know because you gotta carve out space to actually you know watch the Olympics and stuff <laughs> you know so it's a it's a process and, and it's we got a lot of people through in with us so if one of our listeners has an Allman Brothers band gem at home, and it may be from any era, like the new, like a new photo, mm -hmm. will the Big House Foundation? Does it matter? Will they accept? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, we have, we're out there recruiting. You know, we're out there looking, constantly digging, and it doesn't matter if it's from 1969 or 1999 or you know, from Atlanta. You know, in October of last year, we we have begun to get a lot of visibility. I told you when you walked up, this is a stealth museum. You know, <laughs> there is no sign. It's in a neighborhood. It's on a busy street, but it's in a neighborhood. It looks just like the house next door, a big old southern mansion. And so, but we've got lots of people that have become aware of the process now, locally and regionally, where they are opening their closets or looking in the attic and finding this or, or, you know, with, yeah, we're accepting anything. I mean, every donation is tax deductible if it's a, a cash donation. On the other hand, if you've got memorabilia or, or photographs or posters or whatever, we can appraise that and a donation of that is also tax deductible if you're in that. I deduct my expenses from my taxes mode of life. 
but you know, it's a, it's a very cool thing. We've had people come in here and be astounded by it all, and and get into a thing where we are. People will come in and say, "Oh my God! Well, I've got these scrapbooks at home that that I've been saving. And they need to be here, you know." Or I've got posters that have been up on the garage wall for 25 years, and you need to have them. So there's been a lot of that sort of thing. So whether financially or with a historical item from the Allman Brothers Band, how can someone get it to the museum? Well, there's a, a couple different ways. We've got a website. It's called thebighousemuseum.org. And all the address for the foundation, the office of the foundation is there, uh, contact phone numbers, email addresses, that sort of thing. And it's a really pretty cool website, too. A lot of information, a lot of photographs. Or they could just drop it in the mail or drop it by, come by. I mean, if you haven't been here, you need to come. The, the big house is located at 2321 Vineville Avenue in Macon, and the zip is 31204 if it's going in the mailbox. But 2321 Vineville, it's at the corner of Vineville and Rogers, and there is no sign. It's a big old Tudor-style three-story house, and it fits right into the neighborhood. If you're coming from out of town, it might not hurt to call ahead because we're not an official, you know, nine-to-five kind of operation. Phone number that you can make a make an arrangement or an appointment is 478-742-5005. And my lovely bride, Kirsten, will answer the phone and say, listen, I'm coming down from Athens or I'm coming down from, you know, New Hampshire. <laughs> you know, and we get them. We get them. We get them from Japan. We get a lot of we get a lot of visitors from Japan and Germany. Really? Yeah, yeah. And I suspect after we're done fighting this war, we'll get a lot of Iraqis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It seemed that if we if we dominate a country, that we infect them with our culture, and then they all show up over here. <laughs> so it's it's that's that's whack. I don't know. I, I guess a lot of people from Iraq would really like the Derek Trucks band, for instance. There's a strong Eastern influence there. Absolutely. Fact, Absolutely. The first time I ever saw you, you were on stage at a Derek Trucks concert. Oh, really? Yes, that was a wonderful evening. Yeah. That's it. Uh, was it just this, this past? New Year's Eve, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did my little New Year's Eve thing. <laughs> that was a good night. That was a great night, in fact, with with with, uh, with Scrapomatic and Susan's band and Derek. That was a great evening. And there was a special appearance from Greg Allman. Yeah, yeah. Greg gets a little antsy, you know. He didn't go out with his own band, Greg Allman and Friends, this winter, and so he hasn't had any he hasn't had any serious playing since we finished up the first week of end of October, and. So the mule comes through, plays the tabernacle. He comes up and sits in for half a dozen songs. Derek plays New Year's Eve, and he comes up. You know, he's, he's actually in town tonight. Going to go hang with his old buddy Randall Bramlett, play a little, I think. So, you know, got to keep them chops up, you know, <laughs> cold winter months. There's so many bands that, you know, you just think, wow, the Allman Brothers Band but then each member of the band has their own, you know, their own flavor that they bring to the, they bring to the music. 
But then on their own, it's like you, you keep thinking, wow, I, I can eventually hear it all. Mm -hmm. But then you just keep discovering stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. This band, the current band, with Derek and O'Teal and Warren and Mark and Butch and J. Andre, is as diverse in influences as, as the original lineup was. You know, you've got Derek is serious world music and Eastern music student. You know, he's really... He really studies that stuff and inputs that into his own music. And Otiel is, you know, funky jazz. Uh, and Haynes, you know, I think Haynes more than anything is, is, is the one guy in that lineup that is influenced by the Allman Brothers band. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's his main influence. I mean, he's got the soul stuff of, you know, the soul singing thing that he got from lots of other people, and he had a lot of Clapton in initially. But I think, overall, Warren is influenced more by the Allman Brothers than a lot of any, any, any of the other second or third generation guys in the band. And you would think, well, Derek, Christ, he's you know, Butch's nephew, and everybody talks about him as if he's a you know, reincarnation of Dwayne. But, <laughs> but Derek has made it a point to seek out these other things, and... Uh, and Kenyonis is one of the world's greatest Latin percussionists, and he's been with us since 1991, for God's sake. And uh, so, but you look at that and you go, okay, the influences that created the Allman Brothers was the jazz of an R&B of J-Mo, the, the straight folk pop of Butch, Chicago blues and psychedelic from, from Barry and Dickie, and Dickie brought in the country as well. And then the straight up, you know, soul stuff that, that Greg was a huge fan of. So you got all these things that Dwayne said, we need that, we need that, we need that, and created that stew. And that same concept is exactly what the Allman Brothers do today. After 37 years, they're doing the exact same thing. It's different ingredients. There's a little, a little less country and a little more of that uh, salsa. Of this other thing, this... This, uh, this thing coming in from the east that Derek's bringing to town. Very far out. Very cool. And it's, uh, you know, it's been, it's been, it's been a joy to experience to be involved in, to watch it happen, to help poke it this way or that way and, and uh, turn up the heat a little here and there. You know, I, we've all been in the kitchen and it's, and it's been an exciting thing. It's a long thing. I hope we make another three years. I'd love to hit 40 with this operation, you know, that'd be, I hope we can do it. So aside from the Allman Brothers band and the Derek Trucks band, what kind of stuff do you listen to? Me? Mm -hmm. Well, I listen to old jazz. I listen to 50s and early 60s jazz. I listen to Coltrane and Miles Davis, and I like Wayne Shorter, and I like uh, Dexter Gordon. Dexter Gordon, a huge fan of Dexter Gordon. And that's the old jazz. I listen to the Allman Brothers, and I listen to the family bands. It's my job. That's my life. But I also don't sit around the house and put on old Allman Brothers records with yeah. tapes. You know, I work on that stuff, and, and so I listen to it a lot. What I really enjoy is alt-country stuff. You know, there was a band out of Raleigh for the longest time called the Backsliders that I absolutely love. They're gone now. Whiskey Town, I was a huge Ryan Adams, still a huge water. I'm Ryan Adams fan. 
I tended to like his Whiskey Town stuff. I like girls with raspy voices, you know. I like <laughs> Tiff Merritt, and I like Kelly Willis, and Buddy and Julie Miller, and I'm really hot to trot right now on a Marty Stewart's album called uh, Soul's Chapel. See, I was a big Delaney and Bonnie fan, you know, and they were a real kind of earthy, hallelujah kind of deal, you know. And they weren't afraid to get good and boxed in either, but, you know, they, were, they knew all about Jesus. And uh, <laughs> so there's a lot of that kind of thing that comes around. Buddy Miller's new record or this Marty Stewart record, Blind Boys, Alabama. I like good soulful stuff, you know, but I like it with a little steel guitar. I don't like this country shit, you know, <laughs> that Nashville. Although there's a good girl out of Nashville now called Julie Roberts that I absolutely adore. And, uh, you know, it's that kind of thing. I'll, I, I like, uh, I like s slide and steel guitar a lot. So you got, you know, I'm older now, I'm 50, almost 56, and I've, you know, I need a little bit of sway in it all, you know. I, I, I want some rhythm. I want Sway, in fact, is, <laughs> is one of the greatest country songs ever written by an English rock band, <laughs> you know. So, you know, it's like that. I, I, go to, I like to see my friends play live. And the band, there's a band out of, here comes another one of our dogs. <laughs> this is Marty. So check you out. Move on our way. Calexico. Band out of Tucson called Calexico that I really am a big fan of, and they do really interesting live shows. So it's you know I like Texas music. So aside from you're the assistant tour manager of the Allman Brothers Band. Well, they actually call, they actually call me the tour magician, the tour mystic. I've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> assistant. I don't really. We all kind of assist. You know, it's like assisting sounds like you helping somebody, and I do. I help everybody, you know. I'm an assistant in life. <laughs> but do you still do photography occasionally for the brothers? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah? Sure. I've done uh, most of the album covers since they got back together in 89. Publicity stills, stuff like that. A guy named Danny Clint shoots this pretty regularly. And we've had a couple artwork kind of covers, you know, the elephant on hitting a note and but, you know, yeah, I get to shoot. I, I still shoot on occasion. I don't seek I don't seek photography out jobs, you know. I don't seek them out, but they've come to me some. Shot an album cover a couple of weeks ago here. In fact, the last two album covers that I've done for somebody other than the Allman Brothers, we shot here on the property. There's a really good garage out back. Old, never-been-painted, fallen-down garage. At one angle, it looks like an old juke joint. Another angle, it looks like... You know, some cabin in the woods. So, so when you're not doing things with the big house or doing things on the road with the Allman Brothers Band, what do you enjoy doing? Well, I really like watching on TV and going to NASCAR races. Yeah, yeah, I'm a huge NASCAR fan. Back when I was a kid growing up in Iowa, I was. A little gearhead, a little drag racer, built hot rods and stuff, you know. And hot rods got, you know, the cars I was building in 1967 are now worth, you know, $450,000. Wish they had a capital couple, you know. But, you know, I'm, I, like, I like watching those guys drive fast. I like movies, you know. 
you know, we published a magazine, Hit the Note magazine. We got a little mail order company. I'm involved in that pretty heavily. And so, you know, I got I make sure that I got time to do what gets me off. But, you know, on the other hand, everything I do in life gets me off. Yeah. It's like <laughs> I'm a pretty lucky guy, you know. I get to work with my favorite band in the world. And not only do I get to work with them, I get to impact them. I get to help direct them. I get to, it's a magnificent thing. And I live in a house that people come to because they are drawn to this place. And I get to open the door to people every day that are here to get off. You know, they're here to touch something that means something to them. So that's an interesting, that's an interesting condition to, that, that, that you can share what is yours with other people because they feel like it's theirs too. And so you get that connection every time somebody comes in. So I'm a lucky guy, you know. A lot of people have touched me. I've touched a lot of people. It's a, it's a wonderful thing in life to be able to, to connect with something. And this music changed my life when I was 19 years old and 55 now. And to have that still be there, to have that still be as powerful as it is, and to be able to share that with people. You know, we've had kids. We owned a house next door for about five years. It's another 6,000 square foot house. And we ran our little magazine and our mail order company out of it. And uh, I'm an old hippie. I mean... You know, I met my wife at 40 years old. I was 40 before I married the first time, and she was a successful businessman. I was 40 years old, didn't have a check account, <laughs> didn't have a credit card. <laughs> you know, I was off the grid. I was living in Chicago, you know. It wasn't like I was living in some kind of half-dirt spaceship in New Mexico or something, you know. But, you know, I had no credit rating. I had no, you know, I was kind of, I had, I, I had, gotten outside the system, you know, and that's what I had intended to do. And now I'm full blessed <laughs> in the middle of the system. Now i got mortgages and employees and all kinds of crap. But, you know, it's we try to share. You know, when we had these two houses, I looked at this little corner of Vineville and Rogers in Macon, Georgia, as kind of a greenhouse where people could come here and, and like, plant and grow their dreams, you know. We took kids out of high school or kids out of the parking lot and, and uh, said, you want to learn photography? Well, here, I'll teach you photography. You package and ship these T-shirts around the world, you know, and we'll work it out. You can live here. You know, we had this commune. We had this compound here. You know, we had six, seven people living with us. And, you know, they ranged in age from 19 to 35 or 40. And, and my wife and I, and uh, we were, it was a groove. And then, you know, actually things got bigger than we could handle with that kind of groove. And so we moved the, 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 the business to Atlanta, and it's run out of Atlanta by a couple of people that actually know how to run a business. <laughs> so, and we're doing better with it, you know. But it was, a, it was a great, great experience. And it's putting your money where your mouth is, you know. I mean, I lived like that in 1970 and thought it was the right way to live. And so if it was the right way to live in 1970, it very probably could be the right way to live in 2000, hmm. you know. And 
if we don't get too far off base, it'll probably be a really good way to live in 2030. So. Hmm. My last question to you is, you were mentioning all these people around the world that come to see the big house, and this program goes out all over the world. So what would you, Kirk West, like to say to the world, those people in Germany, those people in Japan, wherever they are, what would be your message to the world? Oh, I see the weights on here. Well, I think we ought to just really try to help each other maintain that. You know, this earth has got a pretty good basic tone, and and all the noise is 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 disrupting that. And I think if if individually we all kind of look and say, this is the tone I want to live at, and then share that with the person next to you, be it your partner or your neighbor or the guy in the car in front of you on the highway, we might be able to get through this because it's a scary time if you look at the big picture. If you look at the little picture, you can change some things. And if everybody looks at the little picture, then the big picture will change. And, you know, it's, it's I don't know, I think that we can, uh, you know, I don't know, sound too sappy or old hippie, but, you know, there really is, we really do have the power to be able to change our, our world. And it used to be in 1970s, we thought we could, I thought music could, everybody did, you know, we all believed it. And, you know, the us old cats that are, we're in charge now, you know. So it's time for us to put our money where our mouth is. And the youngins out there that are getting turned on to people like Derek and Warren and O'Teal, the same holds true, you know. There's a lot of people that their their main focus in life is economic security. And I don't know, I've lived a little bit differently, and, and I've had a really, really wonderful experience. And then if the focus is the experience, oftentimes the financial takes care of itself. So anyway, you know, I don't know. Come see the Alma Brothers. Come by Big House. You know, say hi to people. You know, treat each other. I think that's. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for asking, man. It's been a nice chat. All right. We thank you and appreciate you dropping in for the Paul Leslie Hour today. You know, you can help the Paul Leslie Hour in our mission to provide independent media content like this by visiting www thepaulleslie.com slash support. We truly thank you. This is your announcer speaking. Performance of the Entertainer intro song and Corina Corina outro song courtesy of John Primerano. Well, that's it for today. So until next time, be safe and be good. <laughs>